What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. Now, like, let's just get to it. The whole secular sacred divide. There is no distinction in, in the scriptures. Some of us have trust issues with God. And right, some right. of us, yeah, it's like, does God really got us? You can't engage the culture with the gospel that first has not engaged you. Like, you know how people are like, oh, that's just who I am. No. no. <laughs> of shaping the culture hope all is well with you guys listen fam i am so excited about this conversation and this guest yeah this conversation i have with friends all the time uh this conversation we're about to have is much needed in our cultural context and we've got a guru with us someone who's wise experienced (laughs) he's a father he's a husband he's a poet he's a writer he's a businessman we got none other than ezekiel with us what's good bro what's happening what's happening man that intro was od man what is going on right now <laughs> i had to give props man, i had to give honor, honors due. <laughs> thank you bro i appreciate it man it's good to be here man good to have you well i wanted to start yeah. off this conversation by acknowledging that you are i think you guys only have one more show, show left but just wrapped up the We Need to Talk tour. And yeah. uh, I yeah. wanted to ask you, I, I loved it. I went to the Minneapolis show, and that was, I think, oh. the first one. But uh, Oh, my God. That was a struggle show, man. I <laughs> wish you went later, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, so, it, it did, you guys did well, though. I enjoyed the conversation. But awesome, I wanted to ask the question, what inspired the tour? Like, what made you yeah. uh, call up Preston and say, hey, we got to go on tour and talk about some of the stuff that you guys ended up talking about. Man, uh, Preston and I, all of us, I mean, when we get together, we have so many good, rich conversations that unfortunately never end up uh, hitting the masses. So much stuff that help us and heal us and enlighten us that we're just like, man, it's time to actually have these conversations publicly and uh, coupled with the fact that there's so many conversations happening that we don't really hear sound voices with biblical perspectives mm. sharing on them. So it was, it just felt like it was time to, you know, we, we're already used to traveling and sharing artistically, but this was an actual opportunity for us to share from our hearts, uh, just authentically with the people and actually hear from them. That's what made this tour different mm. uh, because it's not just, I need to talk or, you know what I'm saying? It's literally, we need to talk, meaning there's going to be a dialogue. And I think that's what made the difference with this one. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I loved how you guys engaged the crowd and made sure that our perspectives were heard and you guys were able to bounce off ideas and things of that nature. Um, Absolutely. Before we jump into this, I I mean, I have so many questions about singleness, dating, marriage, sex. uh, But I wanted to ask, on this tour, did you guys learn something that you didn't know about the state of singleness? Because I know you guys have been out the game for some time now. Um, but yeah, is there anything that kind of came to your attention that you didn't know beforehand? Uh, a couple of things for sure. Yeah. Especially f- from the men. I-, I realized, man, in this tour, more than anything that we've ever done, more men felt compelled and safe 
in the space that we created. And I think it's namely because uh, Preston and I have, I assume, just yielded ourselves to be as transparent as we can on our platforms and to show that we aren't perfect. But also there's an element of, man, they are exhibiting a life that I desire to have, that I want. They're exhibiting marriage and, um, you know, there's something there that we can glean from. So I think there there's that component. But also just being able to be creating the space for men, men's voices and for them to be heard and those voices be important. I think that made the difference. So I heard a lot uh, from the men this on this run more than we ever had. And we've heard like there's a lot of fear, man. There's a lot of pressure and fear. Uh, on this generation of men that I just never knew the degree of the pressure and the weight that they feel as single men trying to do it right and uh, lock themselves up with uh, godly women. So it's it was really, really interesting to, to see that. And then also women actually allowing them to be able to speak um, and, and sharing from their perspectives and the things that they tolerate and don't tolerate. So it was very, very insightful to hear from both parties for sure. I love that. Um, Speaking of fear, I'm, I'm a single man, so I definitely can attest to that, speak to that, experience that. But um, I think it was a couple of weeks now, there was something that went viral online. And I th- I forgot, I don't know who it was, but either a group of women or a, a woman put out places not to take me out on the first oh date. God. It was a huge list, wow. right? We had Cheesecake Factory yeah. on there. We yeah. had uh, uh, coffee shops, sporting events. I mean, yeah. the list goes on right. and on. And I think wow. that kind of speaks to the fear, right? I think men right. already feel this pressure of having to have everything figured out before even asking right. a girl out. But then right. you go online and this kind of stuff reinforces that. And uh, right. I don't know. I'm under the uh, conviction. I, I, I'm pretty convinced that we don't live in, in a day and age anymore where um, women are willing to build with men. Uh, that men have to get it all together before really pursuing someone. And so I wanted to hear your take on that. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like that's where we're at culturally? And then how did you kind of uh, think through and process that list and that cultural moment online? Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, so much more nuanced than that. I mean, it's easy to take some rhetoric and things per- perpetuated on social media and say, hey, this is where women are. But when you go to the comments, they're like, man, those women are wilding. There are a few on those lists that they're like, you know, that's not helpful. Meeting at our house on the first day and yes, stuff like that. Right, it's, right. uh, it's not going to happen. But, you know, it was an unreasonable list by reasonable people just perceiving it. But there are some things that exist that are true. There are realities. I think what pushes and gets us to this place is fear on both parts. Mm-hmm. I think from the on the male men's part, you know, there is this pressure to be able to handle it all, to be a provider before we even step to the table, hey, what we bring to the table. And women, oftentimes, especially when they're go-getters and they do a lot, uh, we, we're afraid to not bring as much or, or bring less to the table than they do. So there's that pressure. And then for the women, you know, a lot of women have, you know, tried their run at men that, that seem like, you know, you know, that they hope would change and they hope could get themselves together, but took them through, you know, dragged them through the mud. And oftentimes, if you've been hurt by a broke man, you've been hurt by a, a liar, then you just want to go to the extreme opposite. Like, I never want to date a broke man again because the broke man broke my heart. In a sense, <laughs> I never want to date a liar again because, you know, the liar, you know, created this uh, distrust and mistrust in me. And yeah. so I, I think there's fear from both parties to avoid what they experienced as bad experiences in relationships. So both parties have to 
come to the place that they realize that number one, whoever you're going to meet or whoever God puts in your life is not the last person that that mistreated you. And, and two, to give grace for each other. Men need to give grace to women. Women need to give grace to men so that they can be and grow. I love that. And I think yeah. you bring a very uh, unique perspective and a very needed perspective. And that's, you know, I think healing needs to take place in the way we process some of this conversation. And even healing yeah. needs to pay, take place in the way we um, assess what our standards are. Sometimes we're not necessarily looking for what we need to be looking for. We're just trying to escape the hurt that we felt in the past relationship. Yes. And yes. so can you speak to a little bit what it looks like to heal in community? Because I think sometimes yes. we like to, you know, especially as men, we, we have a broken heart and we kind of we kind of close ourselves off. We start going to the gym. We're like, let me get my money right. Let me get my body right. And then we come back thinking because we've got a six pack, we're healed <laughs> or wow. because we've got more money in the account that we're now good to go. But we never really yeah. dealt with that daddy issue or we never dealt with that past relationship. And then we continue yeah. bleeding on our sisters. And so what does that look like yeah. to heal properly so that we can be the best version of ourselves in relationships and in the dating process? Yeah, I mean, that, that question was an answer in, in and of itself. But I, I would say, man, I think it's less a, about a destination and more about a heart posture. Mm. And I just said this on the last post that I just made, um, you know, about the potential, the conversation about potential and should you date a man that it has potential or what is potential and things like that. And I think for both parties, there has to be a level of self-awareness, um, uh, willingness to be corrected and willingness to always grow. And I think that self-awareness comes in community. Sometimes there are ways that you have that have been developed as defense mechanisms from keeping yourself from being hurt. Uh, you know, you, you, they, you claim some women have an attitude, but really it's just to protect their hearts from looking silly or embarrassed by a, by a man. And some men, you think they're tough or aggressive, but really that's their first, you know, um, offensive mechanism to fight against, you know, people seeing the most vulnerable version of versions of themselves. And I think if we can kind of be so, more self-aware to know, hey, I'm not even really like this. To be honest, I'm not, I'm only insecure when, when I'm around people who don't hear me or who don't allow my voice to be valued. And so that self-awareness is so important, recognizing how we we move and why we move the way we move and um, being able to confess that. That's that James 5.16, uh, confess our faults amongst one another so that there may be healing. In the context of that very scripture, it's confess your faults one to another yes. because you could confess your faults to yourself and say, you know what? not even that bad compared to this person and you have an echo chamber in your mind and you begin to start justifying your behavior but in the midst of community there's no room there's accountability for you to be able to lay yourself on the table be vulnerable enough to say hey this is an area i can grow and then willingness to take that correction and willingness to always be on a constant pursuit for growth that means that even even today as a, a father of five, married for 15 years, I have to be constantly assessing and say, how can I do this better? How can I love my wife better? How can I be a better father? But we don't want to do that. We're always projecting on the next person and say, step up, meet me where I am because I'm up here and you're down here. And unless you have this and bring this to the table and can satisfy me this way, you're not worthy of my time. That's, that's this generation. And to be honest, I'm so hurt. I'm afraid for this generation because I feel like there how can two people come together and, and, and move in harmony and compromise if both parties 
are at each other's necks and just having expectations for each other, but not for themselves. I, so much wisdom you just shared, and there's so many things I want to pick apart from all of that. Um, but the tail end of what you were sharing really stuck out to me. Um, I think sometimes the misconception we have as single people is that once we get married, we won't be hurt anymore. And so wow. we don't know how to practice vulnerability because we think we won't necessarily need it in marriage. That's my boo thing. That's, That's we're in heavy. covenant now. We're, we're good. Yeah. She won't hurt me. He won't hurt me. But I wow. think that like we need a realistic picture of marriage. I think when I think about God instituting marriage, one of the reasons why he designed it is so that men and women can help one another become more like him. And we can't become yeah. more like him without friction. And friction causes hurt. You know, friction causes yeah. misunderstanding. Friction causes yeah. all of these things. And so can you speak to um, what it looks like to not just be realistic in our expectation of marriage, but understand that not only are we growing once we get married, I mean, growth doesn't stop once we say I do, <laughs> but yeah. vulnerability is a constant practice even in marriage. Yeah. yeah um, I, I think that that's the unique part about it, right? So vulnerability is one of those things that it sometimes feels difficult when you feel like you're dealing with a stranger. And that's why it takes practice. Um, but when you marry someone, you, you grow in love with them. You grow yeah. in vulnerability with them. So there are there are levels that you are you're at when you first get married. It's the journey. When you marry someone, it's not the it's not over. It's yeah. where it begins. Yeah. But that's the beauty of intimacy, right? You can't be intimate until you take clothes off. Mm. You can't be intimate until, to some extent, you're naked. And so, if we, I think everybody wants to achieve another level of intimacy, but no one wants to achieve another level of vulnerability. Mm. And I think if our goal is to journey to a higher level of intimacy, then we have to be willing to make the sacrifice of vulnerability, which means, man, nobody want to look stupid. Want, nobody wants to look afraid, especially men. Nobody wants to, you know, it's one thing to have been sad, but no one wants to show how sad they are. No one wants to show how something so little can affect them so much. No one wants to admit that just, a small, unspoken, nonverbal communication damaged or triggered something in them. Um, uh, it, it, it's we're afraid, man. We're afraid to show our weakest, our weakest selves, and it is so anti-scripture because what happens when we show our weaker selves is God comes alongside us and proves His strength in that vulnerability. That's in that's that the second. Oh, is it? Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I, I don't know if it's 2 Corinthians. It may be 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where it says, you know, my, you know, my, my grace is, you know, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so in the same way, like, if God's strength is made perfect in weakness, then why do we run from moments that cause us to look the weakest or appear the weakest or to be the weakest, especially in front of our spouses, when God literally, uh, he encapsulate those moments. He, he, he comes around those moments to build strength and build and reinforce those bonds in those moments. Like yeah. if you talk to couples and you ask them about when did your relationship become the strongest, it was when they were most vulnerable, when things co collapsed 
And when they had to build and they had to, you know, carry the brittle pieces of their relationship and come together and say, how do we figure this out? It wasn't when there was vacationing. It wasn't when there were no issues. Just like you said, it requ the friction is required. And I will say this. Um, some people say, you know, they really, really want healing and they want to be sensitive to what, you know, you know, to to really to get to a level of sensitivity. You think about a wound. And sometimes, man, when the wound is most raw, when the when the wound is the most fresh is when it's most sensitive. So sometimes we have to embrace that pain to actually access that sensitivity. Sensitivity requires exposure. Wow. You know, when there's a when there's the uh, the scab that covers it, there's no more sensitivity. But when it's open and fresh, and are we willing to have those wounds open and fresh in front of uh, our loved ones? to actually be more sensitive to them and to be sensitive to even what's going on with us. So there's a lot to say on that point. My goodness. Yeah. That's a whole word, bro. You were preaching. <laughs> oh, bro. Yeah, oh man. It's, it's, it's real because I'm living it. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, like, it sounds like you've lived through this. This is not just knowledge or information. Oh. This sounds like wisdom. Like, you've been baked in this. Yeah. Yes, bro. Yes, bro. And that's the that's the thing about it. And that's why I just like I don't want to say I feel bad for singles, but I think to to be honest, everyone wants to love and wants yeah. to be loved. I know that's true. But I think that people truly underestimate the ugly beauty and the beauty in the ugly that's required to get to what they desire as far as love and being loved, man. To be honest, like if it weren't for those moments, man, we, me and my wife would have never been those, that type of couple you would say couples goals with. We couldn't have been, but all people like, they like the pictures, they like the five kids, but they didn't like the fact, they, they wouldn't have wanted to go, go through the fact that, man, when we were at that fifth child when my wife got pregnant, the only reason that picture went viral is because we were both low-key depressed that we were having a fifth child. We didn't want that. We thought that we were done. And we took that picture just as a moment of just redeeming the moment to say, like, okay, we're just going to make this beautiful. We're going to just, like, lean into this thing <clears throat> and just, it is what it is. And that came from a low moment. And so I think people, they want the highs, but they don't know that there are lows that are to be inevitable, man. And if you can lean into that, then when you look at a, a man, and he is striving and he's growing you look at that man and you say man i want to journey with him because i know there are hurdles i know there are going to be issues but i want to i want to go through those things i want to grow with him because i want to get to something beautiful on the other side of that now nah, we just want the picture perfect right now <laughs> what I, I wanted to ask you wh where do you think that comes from that it has to be beautiful and perfect and there there should be no mess. There should be no tears. There, no, there should be no hardship. There should be no depression. Like, why do you think we have unrealistic <laughs> expectations in marriage? I, I think we, sometimes us as influencers and leaders are at fault because we like to present our Instagram-worthy moments, and we fail to share the vulnerable ones. You know, when if, if someone really knew that, you know, there was infidelity in a marriage and they were struggling with depression and someone's wife was struggling with self-esteem. It wouldn't have been the, the picture-perfect image that they would have wanted. So I think one of our jobs as, as, as influencers, as leaders, as voices in the community is not being afraid to share 
our our lowest, our weakest, our brokenness. Because it, this is that is the point where we all could connect. Look, y'all might not have what we have possession wise. You might not be from where I, I may be from. But where one thing we can connect on is the fact that we have been broken and we need Jesus together. And so if we show our moments that we need Jesus the most, then we'll allow not just the church, but even the world to be able to realize, man, I can relate to that. And so I think we need to do a better job with sharing those moments because I think at the end of the day, it still gives God the most glory, recognizing, man, they're proving that they need me. And I think there's nothing more relatable, there's nothing more powerful and attractive than that. That's beautiful, man. Well said. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I wanted to I yes, wanted sir, sir. to shift a little bit here in our conversation. Um, I am meeting more and more Christian men who believe that sex before marriage is okay. Um, these are men who really? go to church. Yeah, these are men who serve in the church, and these are men who say they love Jesus but don't feel like there's anything wrong with having sex with a serious partner before marriage. Can you kind of unpack for us? And, you know, I actually didn't believe it either. It was my, my sister friends who were telling me, yo, I met a really great guy. My only qualm with him is he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to sleep with me. And so, and then I started having conversations and I started meeting guys and I'm like, whoa, this is an actual thing. Can you speak to why God instituted sex for marriage and the harm that sex does in a relationship that's not in covenant. Yeah, first of all, it's new to me. Like I, I would, I would think that you know when a man of God is confronted with a woman and says, "Hey, we can't do this because you know it's in Scripture," he'd be like, "Ah, you got me. I was trying to run one on you, but I realize you know the Scripture too." But if you're telling me that they're like, "What do you mean it's not? It's it's wrong. I don't." That like I've I, that's crazy to me. So that's crazy. So I will say, man, I just believe like God is so intentional, man. He yeah. desired for us to experience sex and discover sex beautifully with one another. And I think there is a reason for the exclusivity for that type of dynamic. Um, I believe the body has muscle memory, right? You go to the gym, you, you're a person. That, when I'm in the gym and I go crazy on the streak, I'm going good six months. And then I'm on tour and I'm kind of eating kind of crazy. What happens is my body begins to crave going back to the gym. And sometimes it does it through pain. I start getting aches in my back and different parts of my body starts feeling a certain way. And of course, it starts showing, right? But then when I get back into the gym, what the body begins to do, it, it begins to encourage my muscles by activating um activating when I lift the weights and I begin to what I was able to do in three months before I'm able to do in two months now because of something called muscle memory and the same thing same way we have muscle memory I believe our body has something called sexual memory and if that's the case then we do our own bodies a disservice our own we do our bodies a disservice physiologically and psychologically when we entertain multiple partners because while your body uh, it has this memory, it encourages you to get back to the place that 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 provides the same stimulation that you got mm. when you grew the most. In the same way, the, all the body knows is that it engaged in what was supposed to be intimacy. But when it misidentifies, 
who you bring to the bed every time is going to encourage you to have the same experience that you had back then. So what if you had a hundred different partners in the past? Now your body is encouraging you. Mm. Your body is encouraging you via its memory to be stimulated by what stimulated you before. And so that's why we're starting to have this confusion. I've heard men, even through pornography, say, man, I can't even finish with my wife anymore because I'm bombarded. My mind doesn't even allow me to experience, you know, the orgasm the way I used to feel it because all these images have bombarded me. And then you begin to have these conflicts. You bring this baggage into the bedroom and now, man, you don't realize that nobody could do this like Keisha and nobody could jump on this thing like Shaquisha and nobody could do this like Sarah. And then she got these. And so you're haunted by even the, the good memories flesh, carnally speaking, good memories that you had with people that were not your wife, and now your wife has to deal with the baggage of individuals that she never even entertained. And you think that you're in monogamy, but in your bed, that's polygamy, man. It's a, 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 polyg- a polygynous or polygamous relationship that you're having. There are multiple people in your bedroom that you're competing with, wow. and you have to fight to engage and have this true intimacy with a spouse because intimacy was designed it was designed even biologically it was designed to be exclusive you only have certain uh, a number of um you only have one part she has one part yeah, and yeah. you guys come together now, if you have multiple parts and i can fight for something else but you got one point <laughs> that means it was designed to come together one was designed to come together with another one so you're doing yourself and your spouse a disservice when you add to your roster because it's going to be that much more difficult to navigate your body's memories and the mental uh, bombardment that you're going to have with that. So I just want to say, man, men, yeah. women recognize like body count actually matters for both parties. Yeah. 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 So as, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, a friend of mine who uh, his brother actually ended up cheating on his wife and they got a divorce. And once his brother, you know, div- you know, got divorced with his wife, he moved in with him. And one day they went out grocery shopping and my friend saw a girl in the aisle. He thought he thought she was cute. He's like, hey, look at her. Isn't she? You know, she a 10, right? She a nine. And his brother went off on him and was like, no, don't say that. Don't you know that's what cost me my marriage? It was one compromise here, one compromise there, one look here, one look there turned into me sleeping with someone else. And I think sometimes, I'll be honest with you, as a single person, um, because we're looking for a spouse, we think it's okay to look here, to look there. Why? It's innocent. It's potential. Maybe there's something here. Let me explore that. And I, I was having a conversation with a married friend of mine, and he's just like, yo, I had to get off Instagram altogether because once I got married, I didn't realize that I had trained myself to constantly check women out. And so... Can you speak to what self-control looks like? It's not just with body count. It's not just with, you know, you, you fighting all of these different experiences in the bedroom. But it's also once you get married, you're like, oh, man, if I didn't live a life of self-control and singleness, that's going to be a hard pivot once I get married. And so what does that look like to be self-controlled in both seasons and how that shows up um, to, to help us and benefit us? Man, that's such a great, great point. I think we don't recognize the power of indulgence and appetite. Mm-hmm. So yeah. because I'm into fitness and stuff like that, yes. I realized, man, 
my wife, me and my wife always talk about this all the time. I be like, man, let's just get one burger. Let's just get one burger. We love burgers or just like one cake. And when we're on our serious mission and, and we both know, like, if we do eat this, it's going to open that door. And there's something that the, the door that is open is for that compromise because once it, once that the taste buds open to that particular type of taste, then now the world, the the, the drive and the appetite completely changes. Because I was good when I was eating my my di- the stuff that was in my diet, but the minute that I let something else in, then now the diet is gone. I'm ready to rock. I'm ready. To, we can't even go to bed because now we're thinking about all types of other stuff. And that's the way that sin works. It's so insatiable. When you open that door, you give sin an inch, it's going to take a mile. And so it's not to say that you got to live a perfect life, but it's to recognize that, man, at the end of the day, after we indulge in all of those things that we said, oh, we want right now, we pay for it bitterly. And it gets harder and harder to come back after we deviate so much. Like when I back when I was young, I'll be able to bounce back. The older I get the harder it is to bounce back after I fall off my diet so hard. And in the same way, when you train yourself to deviate from from the plan that you have set, you will realize that it's harder to get back on. Last thing I'll say is about honoring yourself. And I made a post about this. I think sometimes, you know, there are so many men that haven't cheated, cheated on their wives because they hate for her to find out, right? They'd hate to get found out by, you know, the brethren or the church and they, they don't want to be known as a cheater. But I'm like, that's a that's honorable to a certain extent. But what about you? You never thought about dishonoring yourself and how much of a travesty that, that would be that you made a commitment before God and to yourself that you were going to honor God with your body. Purity doesn't end when you, when you get in marriage god is expecting a life of purity while you're in your marriage and so that what when when god says you're pure when you accept his righteousness honoring yourself just looks like honoring what god said i was so god says i'm righteous if god believes that about me then me honoring god looks like me honoring his word about me that's what honoring myself looks like so before my wife is in the conversation i'm disciplining myself because it's stewarding the call is stewarding the endowment of God mm-hmm. on my life. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of us are so just caught up with what it's going to look like. And if somebody saw it that way, like really your integrity is really upheld by other people. It's upheld yeah. by somebody finding out. So what if you're in, a, in the perfect opportunity that nobody can find out, mm-hmm. then you have no integrity mm-hmm. and you really are just as good as uh, an adulterer because you're going to take the opportunity in your mind. You're going to take the opportunity in the closet as long as nobody finds out. But if you honor yourself truly, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter who's watching. I honor myself no matter where I am first. So my wife, she's not even, she's not in that conversation. It's me and God. And what am I going to do with what God said and what he's declared about me? Wow. That's so good. As you're speaking, I'm reminded of Joseph who like Potter's Potiphar's wife is trying to get at him. And she's like, nobody's around. He's like, well, my God sees. <laughs> Bruh. My God sees. And so, no, Bruh. that's powerful. My God sees. Bro, yeah. like, but that's so anti dude code. Like, bro <laughs> code is like, look, bro. Yeah. Like, you need, especially, and let's not negate the fact that there are some situations where some men feel like 
starved sexually even in marriages or mm-hmm. there's men that feel like man I cannot control this and and, and well let me just watch porn because at least I'm not doing this and all of these justifications we have in our minds so I'm not gonna act like it's not difficult it is difficult but it's a decision that it needs mm-hmm. to be made when you take take a step back and look at the big picture honoring God and being disciplined is so worth it it's worth it man of god it's worth it woman of god like just keeping to to his word and doing what he calls you to do you won't regret it so i i I acknowledge the difficulty but it's worth it i love it bro i love it listen we can sit here and talk for hours but i won't do that to you i just got one more (laughs) one more question for you uh i did a podcast tour this year and uh, I did. I think. Congratulations! Like, I saw a little bit about it, man. Yeah. That was dope. Thank you, bro. God is good. I I got. I was like wanting to reach out to you because you. Uh, Preston was telling me how PIA is all you. You're the brains behind that. I was like, I need. Uh, I need to get discipled by Ezekiel when it comes to this business uh, thing. <laughs> that's wild. Uh, that's but um, you know, I I did a few shows with Preston, and you know. Yeah. At one point, somebody had asked about, you know, marriage, and he talked about the importance of community, and he brought you up, and he shared how um, seeing the way you love your wife and the way you love your kids, A, drew you to him, and it, like, it, it created a new standard. He's like, I don't want to be around men who don't talk about their wives or who don't love their wives. I need to get around a community of men who are committed to integrity, committed to their spouses, who enjoy their spouses. And so I kind of wanted to ask you, what does it look like to get around a community of men? Because I really do believe that in order to show up for our wives, show up for our children, show up for our communities, we first have to show up for ourselves. And we can't show up for ourselves without being in a community and having accountability. So what does it look like to be the kind of person that says, you know what, it's uncomfortable, be awkward at times difficult at times but i choose to surround myself with other men who share my values share the vision that i have for my home so that i can be held accountable in what god has for me yeah man uh that's a loaded question man the, the little i can say is because actually i came up a lot of my walk not even knowing what discipleship meant i never heard the word discipleship until you know hanging around people like preston and you know seeing what that looked like. And I saw myself growing comfortable uh, not having men that I would walk alongside that could pour, pour into me or that I would be able to pour into. And I realized, man, there was so much missing my life. Even my walk, my spiritual perspective was so one dimensional, so unchallenged that I realized I, I wasn't growing. I could not grow. Wow. And I think desiring, chasing after, and, you know, being in an I'm, my default now is I'm always in a place where I can be challenged. That's my default. That is not a spiritual mountain for me. My default is always putting myself in a position where I can grow, where I am open, where I can be called out because I know that that is the route towards my, my heart posture staying right. And so um, even though we st- I started Band of Brothers in 2020, that has been like real key for myself and people around me to make sure that it's part of our culture. We know that as long as I, I believe I'm walking and chasing after God, that does not happen outside of community. In a sense, like if I'm calling God Father 
and he's calling me son, then I can't deny my brothers. I can't deny his his sons. And um, I'll just say this is the last thing I'll say, man. It was very interesting looking at Luke 15, um, the story of the prodigal son. When you look at the older brother, when um, his younger brother returned, he didn't go after, he didn't follow his father um, in uh, to the front to go embrace his little brother. And in fact, he he began to question the servants, like, what's going on in the house? Meaning he didn't even know the heart of the father or the plans of the father, his desire for the father to even to, to make these plans or to plan this party. So he was completely outside of the heart of the father and the plans of the father. So that's one thing, too. Um, the, the servant said, your brother um, has returned home. And he and he was like, man, he said. My father, he said something like that. My father is celebrating his son and does not celebrate me. He called his brother his son. And even at the end, the father said, the brother reiterated that to his father. And the father reiterated, your brother yes. was lost and now found. Yes. So God's purpose and intention is to remind us of that community because it reflects that we have his heart right mm. and so when we find ourselves in a position where all the kingdom the kingdom men that we know are just god's other sons then we recognize that our hearts are out of line with the father because if we are we're in line with him then our perspective begins to shift and our leaning in and our embrace we just begin to go after mm. our brothers because they're no longer just his other sons wow these are the men that I've been called to. And so I think it's an assessment that we can check, like when we're locked in isolation, whether it be because of sin or because of elevation or promotion, if our hearts are not after um, the, the sons of God, then we are not in line with the heart of the Father. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. I've heard Luke 15 a million times. I've preached from it. I've never heard it explained that way. That was profound, bro. <laughs> Yeah, bro. That was good. Yeah, man. Was I, good. I just discovered it this year, man. <laughs> and I preached it a few times, so <laughs> praise God, man. Uh, praise God. Man, well, thank you so much for lending us your time and your wisdom. Do you have any last thoughts as we wrap this conversation up? Anything that's on your heart? No, nah, man. I'm just so I'm so grateful that you're having conversations so relevant, man. There are a lot of things that you could be talking about on a podcast and maybe some things that people would even tune in more to because it's just popular. But the fact that you're going against the status quo and digging in and getting to the, the roots behind these issues is so essential. So I just want to say we need you, man. Don't quit. Keep going. We want to see more tours. We want to see more conversations and just continue, man, to be a vessel and a voice in this time, bro. We need you, bro. I appreciate that, man. That means so much coming from you. We got we to gotta get you on one of these shows, bro. We'd love to have you yeah. speak speak to the people, man. I thoroughly love what you're doing in your heart and your conviction and your boldness, man. When I go on Instagram and I see some of the things that you say, I'm so blessed because it's needed to be said, but not a lot of people are saying it. And so... Thank you for Thank your you, obedience bro. and your boldness and your courage yes, to say the right thing, man. I love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we're going to get you married soon. <laughs> <laughs> Lord willing. <I'm>, amen. Amen. <laughs> Maybe on the second leg of the we need to talk to our finder. There we go. There we go. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Man. Oh, well, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, until next time, family, peace yes, and grace. Yes.